Welcome to the Hidden Gems Podcast, where we talk about movies that uh, you probably haven't seen. Uh, my name is Ed. And I'm Ryan. And uh, today we're going to talk about the movie called Frequency. All right, Ryan, what do you got about Frequency? Oh, uh, well, Ed, this was made in 2000, starring Dennis Quaid and Jim Caviezel. Uh, it made $45 million at the box office. And with a $9 million opening is what I have in front of me. The opening weekend there of April 28, 2000, when this came out, U571 was the big winner that weekend with $12 million. It was its second week out, followed by the Flintstones at $10 million, and Frequency landed third, $9 million week one it made. Frequency lost to Bon Jovi and Fred Flintstone, my friend. <laughs> that is pretty bad. So what I think what really killed that movie, I mean, they, they were kind of popular for that time with Bon Jovi and stuff, but the following week, uh, Gladiator comes out, and I think that just kind of wiped out the box office right there. Yeah, and I loved Gladiator, yeah, by the way. That yeah, was a really I loved Gladiator. So, yeah, didn't really make a lot of money. I mean, what's $9 million? Yeah, $9 million's nothing. And even, uh, you know, you look at the bo- total box office for the U.S., it only made $45 million total um, with a $31 million budget. So it was just a modest gain for the film in general. Not a lot there. That's uh, crazy when you think about $45 million total where... A movie nowadays would make that in, in a weekend. In the opening weekend, right. right. It'd yeah. make it opening weekend, for sure. Like, the prices these days are, the box office makes so much more money, it seems like. Uh, but anyways, you know, the cast here with these two guys, Dennis Quaid and Jim Caviezel, now they're big names. But back then, when I was looking this up, saying, oh, those two guys are big names, what were they doing, you know, around that time? The previous movies that those guys were in, I hadn't heard of many of these. Did you happen to look any of these up, Ed? Well, Dennis Quaid, I, you know, he was, I remember recalling he was kind of big in the late 80s, early 90s. I think he did Inner Space was one. He did. So you're going even f- a lot further back than 2000. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, Dennis Quaid, I, I do kind of remember fondly growing up, but nothing like really like stand out, really pop, other than Inner Space, I think. That's yeah, I remember growing up with a film of his called Enemy Mine, like oh, in, no, the mid, you know, in the mid-80s. Yeah. But around the late 90s, right before this movie came out, he was in Any Given Sunday, an Oliver Stone football movie, which was very big, made $100 million dollars. But he was a support guy. That film also had Al Pacino and Jamie Foxx and Cameron Diaz. So it just had a big cast in mm-hmm. general. And then uh, he was in one called Savior, which he was the lead. Did not do well. Playing by the Heart, a comedy movie, only made $3 million. And then in 1997, one called Switchback, which was a bomb that only made $6 million. So he was in some stuff that where he was the lead, they were smaller films, we're not making a lot of money. He was in a couple big ones, but it was more of a, you know, all-star cast type of a thing. Right. Yeah, and Jim Caviezel, this guy, oh my gosh, um, he wasn't in anything I had heard of hardly at all. His, right up into Frequency. Right, yeah, I mean, he was in these two I knew of, G.I. Jane and Thin Red Line, but he had minuscule parts, you know, because those, again, were kind of like broadcasts. And then 1999, Ride with the Devil, he was the, in the lead with that. It was a Civil War movie, an Ang Lee picture, but it was a bomb, only $635,000. So these guys, they weren't in anything big at this time. Yeah, and at that time, nothing much. Uh, I think the big stand-up performances for Jim would be uh, Count of Monte Cristo and um, The Passion of the Christ. But those were both that's, after. That's yeah, after, Those yeah. were both after, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, coming up to this, they, they just weren't in any, anything. Maybe that was part of the reason this went under the microscope. I really don't know. Yeah, the radar. yeah. I, I thought they had good performances. You know, being that these guys are from Queens, 
I kind of liked the fact that they actually tried to sound like they're from Queens. They had like a, a pretty good New York accent going. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. For, for my end, and I'm from New York, and I don't sound like I'm from New York. But <laughs> <laughs> No, I like both these guys yeah, in this yeah. movie. Dennis Quaid played the father figure great. Um, and Jim Caviezel wanting to rebond with his father since he lost him early in the film, as right. we're going to talk about, played a great part. Uh, both of these guys were spot on in the role with great performances. And I like both these actors and all their other works, but I'm just surprised, I think, because they just weren't known that well up to this point at that exact time period, around 2000, when this came out. Sure. Oh, here's a, here's a curveball. Guess who was supposed to play uh, Frank Sullivan? Do you know? Oh, you hear about this one? that would be good movie trivia. I don't yeah. know that, Ed. Who was it? Sylvester Stallone. Oh. Can you imagine that? I cannot picture Rocky that. playing the dad, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't picture now seeing this movie, Sylvester Stallone pulling that one off at right, all. Right, right. Yeah, Yo, Johnny. Yeah. That you? <laughs> yeah. That would have been not a good <laughs> not a good fit, I don't feel. Yeah, I thought that uh, with Dennis Quaid's character and John's character, they, they played off each other pretty well. I mean... It, to me, it was pretty convincing when you really think about it, in the whole movie, in its sense, there, there it's taking place be, uh, a 30-year time gap between the two. And in the whole movie, these two characters are never in the same room no. until the very end. Right, yeah. Right? So, like, the, how they build their interaction with each other was pretty strong. You know, like, you, you feel like they're in one time period, but they're really not. Yeah, yeah, just how they, you know, had those two connect just through the use of the, the right. radio device was really good. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was fantastic. I think that's kind of what drew me into this movie was how they really did a good job of, of you really caring for these characters and the relationship with that father and son. You know, like, you know, the movie starts off with, um, you know, Frank's character, firefighter. Yeah, this is 19, you know, late 60s, right, 69, and he's got a good life. He's got a beautiful wife. He's got a son. Uh, the glory days, you know, everything's bright and sunny. Everything just looks kind of happy, right? And that's kind of like how that beginning starts off. And right, it goes into, uh, you know, 1999. And here's John as an adult. And he looks, <laughs> he's like an alcoholic and dark, you yeah. know. Everything's just brooding. And is how his life changed because of now, what happened to his dad. Yeah, so I was going to say, he was, uh, you know... What did, I can't remember the age you say, but he was well into adulthood at that scene. And right. he was, like you said, gloom and doom. They, the, the colors went dark, and he was drinking. And I was going to ask you that same question. Do you think they portrayed him that way just because of what happened to Dad earlier on? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I, I think that they were trying to push that really hard for, when you look in, in, in 1969, how happy his life was. You know, you got a dad, teach him how to ride a bike and all that stuff. And then... In the future, how his life, not only him, but even his mom, how a different path it took, you know. Um, he can't, even with his girlfriend, he can't hold down a relationship. He doesn't have that, maybe that father figure in his life to kind of guide him, you know. It just seems darker, even his mom just, everything looks sullen. The The whole feel of, of you know, 1999 is just Yeah, sad, probably because you know? he lost yeah, dad so early because he was just a kid in the movie. So, you know, that growing up for him could have been rough because of the no father figure. You sure, know, you sure, know? yeah. But, um, yeah, so, no, I really like that, uh, the whole opening scene. So so how does the movie progress? So they come to the radio, right? This whole, yeah, whole uh, movie's uh, brought 
by way of the radio, pretty much. That's right. Little Gordo there. wants to check out what's in the box, and then they find what's in the box. They, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they Another find, movie reference. <laughs> <laughs> they find that radio in there, and, and they start talking. And uh, and uh, I, I think in 1999, oh, so the, the whole premise is this Aura Borealis, where supposedly, I, I tried to do research on this. It was, it was hurting my head getting the facts, but it's something about when this time period happens has something to do with the sunspots and, and, and like waves can travel further. Yeah, so I, you I, know, that, so no, that part lost me exactly. So what was that all about at the beginning? Because they really focused on the lights in the sky. And I was gathering, what I was taking from the film is that's what was allowing them to communicate through time, right? right? That's, this, that's this correct. This phenomenon occurring, right? Yeah, they kind of touched upon that. Like, and the only, I, you know, watching this movie again with the subtitles, I think that's the only way I was able to pick up as to all the facts that was going on about this 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 whole light show um dick habits on tv and he's talking to this some sort of physicist and they're talking about what happens with this horror that that ladies and gentlemen is how much ed loves movies not many of us would put on the movie on <laughs> subtitles just to get every detail there <laughs> we got subtitles playing it, 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 was, it was good detail and they talk about how during that time period uh the sunspots occur, and when this happens, on how sound waves or radio waves, I guess, travel further. But obviously, this is this is a movie, so instead of traveling distance, you know, it travels across time. Right, yeah, right. it travels yeah. across time, and the, yeah. and that's that little connection they get. So I, I like how you know Frank and John are talking, and they're just talking like you know, like just anyone else on the radio. Yeah, that right? scene was really cool. How they're talking about an event that's happening live for one of the guys but yet had happened 30 years sure. in the past yeah. already yeah yeah. yeah yeah he's like where do you live yeah where were you, where were you from again queens or something yeah, like queens, that yeah queens yeah like, yeah i'm from queens too right? <laughs> yeah but, but just the ball game he's all well who do you think is going to win the ball game he's all well you know they would have won if that pitcher made this play or whatever. Right. He's like, well, that's never going to happen. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. it, it already did happen. You know? Yeah. So just that scene where the, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, yeah, this that they're going to connect somehow here. Yeah. Right, yeah. So uh, that kind of propels them along, and it introduces this whole talking through time business. And then we get into, I think, where John's now a cop, and, and it leads into um, finding this, this dead body at some build site. And this sets up what's going to happen with really the whole drive of this movie is are the, are these murders that happen, you know? Right. Um, let's see. So uh, I, I think they talk about the, the, the murders, and then they go into um, – they get on the radio again. And this is when I think they kind of realize that – this was a big part of the movie now, yeah. the second time they meet on the radio, because I think that's the part where his son walks in and he says something, oh, little chief, you know, I'll be there in a second. Right. And then the son realizes, oh, you, you call your kid little chief, right. you know? Right. And then they go in and talk about where exactly they lived, right. and they figure out that they're talking to each other yeah. from He's different like, times. He's like, I'm John Sullivan Creep. He's like, listen, you mother. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you touch my kid, I'll come after you. And then here, here, this is the part where I felt that they, uh, you know, he had lost his dad. And now he's figuring out a way to reconnect with him through this radio. And he realized, this is really my dad, you know, so I need to prevent him from dying in the fire. You That's know? right. Cause, yeah. Right. Because he realizes it's him and he tells him, hey, you know, you're going to die in this fire uh, tomorrow, you know. So he tries to alter the course of history and kind of regain that, you know, 
bond with his dad and warns him ahead of time how to avoid death. Yeah, basically. yeah. yeah. He, he kind of warns him and says, you know, if you had only listened to your instincts, yeah, yeah, uh, you would have changed directions and you have gotten out. And hey, let me ask you a question. That that warehouse, <laughs> that slide that was in there. Oh, that yeah. to me it looked like Space Mountain. Yeah, you know? I was like, what kind of? I couldn't. I the only thing I could figure it out because it was a feed store. I didn't understand if they, you know, they ship the feed down there and just spirals down to the bottom floor for like, so you don't need to manually haul it or right, what. I didn't right. understand what that was. Either. Yeah, I was but, like, man, that's a cool fire but escape they got there. Convenient there, yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, I remember that scene being very memorable, Ed. That. Uh, uh, you know, he's not quite 100% sure Dennis Quaid's character, if he was really talking to his son, he was he, he was pretty sure, but, you know, when he comes across that scene where he says, if you only would have went the other way, you know, it replays that scene where he looks at the door, you know, he looks at the door, right. he's thinking about going that way, and he remembers what he said, and he gives it a long look, and then turns, and, you know, he, he goes the other way. You yeah. Know, he avoids it completely. That, that scene just gave me goosebumps. That was a great scene, and he's just screaming, little cheese. Yeah, that he made it because yeah. of his advice. Yeah, that was the scene that I had seen this movie years ago and um, I didn't remember a lot about it. It was like watching it for the first time but that one scene was uh, is where I was said, oh, you know, I, I remember this part very well. It was just really stood out as being a memorable scene to me for some reason or another. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and that kind of leads into the next part where he goes home and he gets on the radio and that's it. They're, they're convinced. They, they, they do know that they're talking... He's talking to his son in the future, you know, and uh, I was I was telling Ryan about this the other day about how they actually filmed the sequence where it's just back and forth between father and son and how they filmed it. It almost looked like they're like in the same room talking with each other, but yeah, they're clearly not. Yeah, because right, yeah. you're right. They had one character facing one direction and the other facing right. the other direction like they were across from the table. You're right. Yeah, they're just kind of talking with each other, which, which is just it's it's so heartwarming to get that opportunity where. You know, here he is. You know, it's like uh, he lost his dad, and they're like, "Oh my God, now my dad's alive!" But here's the kicker, right? Yeah. Because the dad's alive, it it changes time, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was an interesting mechanism they threw in the movie there. That it altered history basically by him saving his dad. So now the the murderer that was on the loose back then, you know, had killed three people originally. Now it jumped to ten, right? Right, right. And, and the big kicker, I think, was he spared his his dad back then but now in the current time his mom is dead that's right right because yeah. this murderer had murdered his mom yeah that was i thought that was pretty cool where he's at the police station and he's looking at the murderers and uh who was the other guy um satch the the other cop and he said you know three murders like what do you mean three it's, it's ten yeah you know yeah. and it's like yeah your mom's dead or something that's like where that. he figured out that he was altering history basically right from, the, from sparing his dad there. Yeah, yeah so i thought that was pretty cool and then, then, and then from there on they go into you know how do we how do we save mom yeah and you know even with him saving his dad did you get the sense i felt like um okay he saved him so now he could talk to him over the cb radio right. that's cool he's bonding with dad over the cb radio but he's still like dad's still not there at the current time right. period you yeah know, he's still yeah. not there that's that's true, you yeah, know. yeah. I because he's still going to die short of his adulthood because, you know, he altered history. But now it says, oh, your dad's going to die of cancer because he right. smokes too many cigarettes. That's you know? right, yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's still dead, yeah. So he, you know, let him live longer in his time back there. They got to spend more time talking to each other on the radio, but yet he still didn't make it to his adulthood, I guess. Right, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true because they did explain that. You see, his, all of a sudden he's getting these, these cool flashbacks of, of him and his dad 
you know, and then, yeah, he dies of cancer. I like that one scene where I think Jules gives him a pack of cigarettes and he just, like, looks at it, crumbles it up, and throws it in the garbage. Uh, that was later. I want to yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to talk to you on that because that was a really cool scene why I think something happened at the end that we'll talk about in a second. Okay. So, um, where did we leave off there? So now we, we're talking about trying to prevent the murders. Oh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so they were trying to prevent the murders. Is this where, um, oh, Yes, so they're trying to prevent the murder. So Jim Caviezel's, they, this is the part where the father and son, they, they start working together, right? Cause, That's right, cause yeah. Jim yeah. Caviezel knows certain information. Yeah. And so he says, hey, to prevent this, you know, this lady is going to get killed at this bar. Yes. Go there and try <laughs> to stop it. You know? That was good. That yeah. was really cool. And, and because they don't know who the murderer is, they have no idea what this guy looks like. He says, you know, you just got to find this person and do whatever it takes to, to prevent this. You right. Know? Yeah, but so yeah. the murderer is there. Right? Yeah. And then I think the murderer has an idea who he wants to take out. Yeah. It is a nurse. And then uh, there's Frank in there, you know, intervening somehow, some way. Right, you right. Know, which yeah. I thought was pretty good. Right? And they go back and they say, hey, we, we did it. You know, one murder down. They, yeah. Right? And yeah. they go on to, well, well, here's the second one. <laughs> right? And this is where it gets juicy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, what, did you feel like, why were they going to try to stop these now because he had already done what he wanted right he spared he saved his dad but did he feel like kind of guilty that hey now that i saved him now all these people are getting killed because i think it, yeah he went and said that they weren't supposed to die right right yeah i think it was that responsibility where instead of three people died now it's up to 10 because of what they did they, they changed right uh, the, the time period and so they're they're trying to right the wrongs here and they talk about that, you know, where Frank says, well, I'm a firefighter. And he says, well, I'm a cop. This is what I do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so uh, they, they're trying to, want, you know, piece by piece trying to fix all, all the wrongdoings and stuff. Yeah. I, this movie totally changed for me, too. Like, I really like this movie. You know, it, it was kind of like a time travel sci-fi movie. And it, it is up to this point the whole way through still. But I didn't know it was going to be like a murder mystery, right. too, at yeah. this point. You know, and I, I like those type of movies, you know. But up to this point, I didn't really know it was going to be like a murder mystery and how they were going to stop this murder type of thing. So it kind of took on a new direction. Yeah, yeah. We, even when, when I was looking up like, like the taglines of this movie, it was <laughs> like, uh, what if or what if you can, you know, turn back time and stuff. So they really, you, you, from the beginning of the movie, you don't really realize this is actually a, a murder. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's really the, the whole plot point. I mean, the part about him saving his dad, that's kind of, that's, that's what the tagline is and what you may think the movie is about, but that's just kind of a tool for the rest of the film, really, right? Know, to, to be a murder mystery, really. Yeah, really good stuff. So uh, now we go into the, to, to the second murder over here, right? And then uh, we're going to talk about uh, what happened now. Um, Oh, the wallet scene. The coolest scene in the movie, right here. Right, yeah, that part was cool, because, you know, Jim Caviezel's character keeps on telling his dad, hey, show up here, there's going to be a murder here, see if you could stop it, and this this murderer is always there. We don't know who it is, but he's always there, and he recognizes that Frank's character is always at the same spot yeah, he's at, he goes before he's going to commit this crime. Yeah, he goes, hey, man, why, why are you following me? <laughs> then he, he beats him up and knocks him out. Right, right? yeah, yeah, and then, then he takes his, well, no, he takes Frank's wallet. He takes Frank's wallet and he takes his ID. That was key. Yeah, but right. he takes his ID and then uh, he tosses the wallet because Frank gets the wallet back. Remember? That's right, That's gonna yeah. Provide to be he crucial. tosses the wallet. So he takes the idea because his ID because he's going to plant it at the next murder. And yeah. that's how they're going to pin Frank to that murder with the rest of the murders. 
Yeah. Now that that kind of threw me there. So, what? Why did he want to pin the murders on Frank? There was there any motivation for him to do that? Because um, were they they were? He didn't think anyone was on to him at the time. Is what yeah, I, mean. I don't think he had to do it. I think it's just a. Uh, it, it well as the scene goes on when they talk about getting the fingerprints later, but uh, for him to to frame Frank, I don't think there was any particular reason why he had to do that. Yeah, yeah, I just you know, I mean it was fine part of the movie suspense wise for me, but I, yeah. I was all you know what? Yeah, that was a dirty was... cop move right there, yeah. <laughs> you know, planting uh, bad evidence. Yeah, it was yeah. Um, so he gets the wallet, I, he frames Frank, but then Frank. Yeah, so Frank... <laughs> Frank still has right. the... Uh, he has the wallet itself, though, right? He has the wallet itself with the fingerprints of the real guy on it, right? Yeah, so he, I, this is the cool scene. And he's like, well, I, you know, we've got his fingerprints. He's like, well, what are you talking about? And he's like, this is what you got to do. Yeah. This one blew my mind. You know, stick the wallet in a Ziploc bag and put it someplace where no one will touch it for 30 years. And it was so instantaneous on how they filmed this, where he's wrapping the wallet, he's going to, to that little bench seat in the wall... You know, as he's he's dropping it off, you know, John's opening it up. It was like instantaneous, boom! There it was. Yeah. That one blew my mind. Yeah, and again, the whole time travel thing—how they're tossing back information, from, you know, from thirty-year difference was just like really cool. I, you know, I, I really like those type of movies, those time traveling movies, but I I hadn't seen that many good ones up to this point, really. You know? Yeah, yeah, that that yeah. was a really brilliant scene, and so when they when they get the wallet, boom, you know. With modern technology, they find out that the, the murderer is actually uh, an old cop, you know, uh, killing these people. And uh, what happens after that? After that, they do the wild scene. Da, da, da. Do they save the mom yet? Oh, no. Well, the dad gets arrested. Frank gets arrested. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So what they do is they, they, they find the driver's license, the ID, yeah. and they're going to try to pin the murderers. On Frank. Yeah. And he says, hey, man, you know, if, you don't, if you don't tell me what's up, they're going to tie with this murder and the rest of their murders. Right. right? And they take him down to the station. Right. And, uh, oh, and, but during the scuffle, when, uh, you know, they're trying to arrest him. Their communication breaks off, remember? Something see, about the, yeah, the radio the, breaks. The ham right? radio breaks. And right there, you're, it's almost like someone severed this tie between the two characters. Right. Where all of a sudden it's like, whoa. Right. How, what are they going to do next? They, they can't communicate with each other anymore. Right. You know? Right. And it was this whole... I felt this major disconnect between the two characters. Like, oh, what are right. they going to do now? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. How are they going to get out of this one? Exactly. So, right. So Frank's arrested. And then I love this part coming up where he tells his... The cop, hey, if you know, if you don't believe me this story, you know, watch this ball game. This is what's going to happen. Right. You know, this pitcher's going to get hit or this batter's going to get hit. There's going to be a some type of problem with a scuff on the ball and all this fiasco. The shoe polish. The shoe right. polish. Yeah. yeah, the shoe polish on the ball from hitting him in the foot. That's right. And then, sure enough, the cop's watching the TV and sees the, right. <laughs> sees the shoe polish and looks over and says, what? What? Yeah. I love that part. I remember even, like I said, asking my dad, did, you know, did that really happen? Because I, I can't remember that far back to that. But it did. And that was yeah, just yeah. cool how they included real events in there, you know. Yeah, for the, that, that was a cool the, scene. And at that at that time period, so basically Satch is with Jules at some diner, I think, where they, they, he's catching the ball game. Yeah. And at the same time, Frank's character is in the interrogation room with the killer. Right. Right? Right. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> that was a great scene. So as... As, you know, while he's alone, you know, by himself, he's setting up this booby trap to, uh, 
electrocute because he's a fireman. I guess he knows. Which I thought was really amazing at an interrogation room. There was actually like some flammable stuff inside <laughs> there, and all this equipment to start a fire. And uh, and he actually gets out, and then supposedly he thinks um, he killed the killer, right? Because they're, they're running away, right. and there's like some some battle at the docks, and he, I think they assume that he drowned or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? He thinks he kills him, but then the killer winds up back at his house or something, right? Right. So they think everything's good. You know, at that point in time where they think that. Uh, the killer's dead, you know, um, dad's alive, mom's alive. They thought they prevented everything. Everything's good, but it's not. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. So this is this is the grand finale, I guess, Red. What did you think about that scene at the end where the killer shows up at their house yeah. right, and takes the kid? At the hostage. same time. Yeah, yeah. That was, I thought that was, that was pretty cool how two things are happening at the same time. Yeah, I love it how the dad's battling this serial killer one time period and then you know the son's battling the same guy a younger version of him you know 30 years in yeah yeah 30 years later later, yeah 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 so how they're both fighting this guy at the same time was interesting and then right right when he's getting ready to kill uh the son's character jim caviezel's character the dad comes through time right right and shoots him why why do you think that how was that finally allowed to happen that we were always talking about earlier that the dad, you know, he saved him from the fire, but then he was going to die of cigarettes. Uh, so he prolonged his life, but he was never in the same time period as his son until this last scene. Do, do you, what was yeah. your interpretation of that? Uh, my interpretation is it's a movie, and I think <laughs> that it's... Uh... Did you, like, first, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I felt like, you know, each time he was allowed to go further, further in time in towards the son... Like, right. first was he got saved in the fire, and then I felt like, oh, now you're going to die of cancer. Then I felt like once he threw away those cigarettes, oh, I see what he you was mean. never going to die of cancer. So right. now he comes even further through time, right. you know, yeah. into yeah. the yeah. current time period. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was just, like, a cool touch at the end. Yeah, that, yeah. That, was pretty, that was pretty neat. The thing with these time travel movies is you just got to accept it. Like, in that movie Looper, that was, like, a whole mess. That one gave me a headache with Looper. Where there's a scene where... Bruce Willis, I know this is off topic, but Bruce Willis' character meets his younger self. And I think there's some scene where he says, don't even think about it. Just just go along with it. Yeah. I think you just got to do that when it comes I, to time I, travel. You know, and that's why I like this movie, Ed, because this movie was time travel. I love that premise, but there's, like you were saying, Looper, there, there's not a lot of good ones out there. The only ones right. I could think of, we were talking about them, at, I think, at work or something, that, you know, Terminator was a great movie. Right. And Back to the Future. Right. Those were two great, you know, movies that themed on time travel in a sense, but the rest, you know, have been duds for me, except those two, really. Yeah, you know, frequency, when, when, because I was looking this up, and they talk about time travel, you, when it comes to frequency, it doesn't, it's not really time travel, right? It's more of someone talking in the past, but, like, Terminator, they're actually trying to, well, I guess it is kind of time travel. Yeah, I mean, I, I know what you mean, but I meant time, like, they were alternating, they were... They were altering time, right? You know, events yeah. in time. Yes, 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 yeah. And that, you know, this movie was one of those better ones besides like a, a Terminator or Back to the Future. You know, the, some of these other ones that they were talking about time travel movies. Oh, yeah. Um, you, Looper, you mentioned. I mean, you know, I, I didn't like Looper either. Uh, time Cop. Do you remember that silly movie with Jean Claude Van Damme? Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, to me, that was just a yes. dud. And then people will, will scold me for this one big time. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh my God, dude, that had such a cult following when I was younger. But that, that to me, that's just that's, that's 
you know? <laughs> yeah, the frequency, I, I think they did a really good job. But again, it's one of those movies where you, you started off watching, you think it's it's about a father and son thing, but there's there's a whole lot more meat to it. Yeah, that's like I said, that, that's that's totally how I interpreted that. And when I was talking to my wife, I was all, I think he was able to come through time at the end because he was getting closer, you know, by saving through the fire. And then and finally, you know, he gets all the way back because now he doesn't die of cancer by throwing out the cigarette. So now he's all the way back. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I just thought that was a that's really, really cool. cool. I like that. So, so that's pretty much how the the scene ends in terms of climactic endings. There, you know, I'm not sure what do we want to talk about anything else other than that. Yeah. So then, kind of, I thought I thought how the ending was actually pretty nice. How they're all uh, playing softball. And Gordo is now rich because uh, he's got that little Yahoo tip. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty cute. Yeah, which you know he said, yeah, keep an eye on that because you know time. Like abracadabra. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> I loved the touch at the end, maybe because it's I'm a I'm a Mike Piazza fan, but I loved how the Mets baseball stayed in the family because now it's I'm assuming it's uh, John's oh, son. Yes, he has yes. a son now who's right. uh, wearing the Mike Piazza Mets jersey right. at the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So no, that that was that was. For me, Ed, that was a well-recommended movie. When you said, oh, you know, watch Frequency, well, I wanted to discuss that one. Uh, you know, that would, that movie, to me, sums up this podcast perfectly, like a hidden gem. Not many people I know have seen Frequency, and I, I thought that movie, I was captivated by it the whole time. Yeah, good. You know? I, I think it's, like, even today, I think it, it stands well, you know. It does. Where you can pick it up and watch it and think it's it, it still holds up. No, I watched this one with my wife, and she thought the same thing. She said, that, that is really good. She yeah. said, good luck talking about it because it's confusing. But, <laughs> no, the movie was, like, really good. I really enjoyed this film a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, this one had lots of layers. I was, I was scared doing this podcast. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so everyone out there that's listened to this, you've most likely watched it. If you liked it and agree with what we're saying, um, you know, let us know. Uh, if you have not seen it, and you just caught all the spoilers, and it sounds like something that you want to watch, we highly recommend this one, Ed and I do. Uh, you, this is well worth your time watching, Frequency, a high recommend. Uh, from you too, Ed. I oh, absolutely, this is a high yeah, recommend. yeah. I dig this movie, it's a fun movie. Um, I think I picked up this movie a long time ago, this is back, uh, I was still living in New York at the time, it was on TV, and just like, wow, this is a good damn movie. And every time it, sh- I, it, it pops up on TV, I'm always captivated by it. I always got to finish up the whole movie, you know? Yeah, I'm not even really sure how I first saw this movie, to be honest with you. I was trying to think how when I first saw it, it was like probably 15 years plus ago. I think my dad recommended it. He had watched mm-hmm. it and then said, hey, check out this movie. And yeah, it, it was definitely a good one. I mean, I added it to my DVD library and so I liked it. You there know, you go. It, it was good. So next week we're going to continue on and what are we watching next? Uh, Dark City. Dark City. There it okay, is. We're going to watch Dark City next. Join us for that one. And that's our recommendation for you. Tune in to Dark City. Yeah, and uh, if you like what you hear, this is um, episode two already. You can find us on Facebook, Hidden... I don't know how you do it. Facebook.com, Hidden Gems or something like that. Um, you can check us out there. You can email us at hiddengems at gmail.com. And uh, let us know what you think. You know, join the group. Give us some movies to, that we can share with other people. Um, it, one thing about Frequency, though, I, you know, I can't. it's not on Netflix. It's not on uh, Amazon. What do you call it? Thing? Yeah, Prime. Yeah. yeah, this would be a, a difficult one to find. This was, and obviously it's so old, you're not going to find it on Redbox. I mean, this would be one, if you haven't seen it, want to watch it. I mean, that might be one you just 
go out and buy at the, you know, the discount. Sure. Hey, like, dude, I, I just told you that, what was it, like a week or two ago, I was driving by a garage sale. There it was, $1. <laughs> I'll take it. Hey, that was yeah. worth the purchase Yeah, definitely sure. worth the purchase. Yeah. All right, so until next time, uh, my name's Ed. And I'm Ryan. All right.